0: Today's episode is brought to you by the Usher Cup World Club Challenge, about to kick off on the 19th of January through to Sunday, the 22nd of Jan. It's going to be skits, $7,000 for first prize, male and female equal prize money with competitors from Australia, New Zealand, America, France, Japan, Indo, Hawaii. The first of its kind, it's going to be so mental, held up there at Snapper Rocks, hosted by by the Snapper Rocks Riders Club. Holy smokes, it's a skits event. We were there commentating last year. We'll be there again commentating this year. Cannot wait for it to kick off. Get on up there. Jump on the Usher Cup website, ushercup.com. Have a suss. It's a full-blown stonker of a surf contest. Even better, the event has a massive charitable push. It supports a lot of people and... Charity networks in need up there around the Gold Coast and Queensland and New South Wales. It's, it's an incredible event. Uh, Theo, the guy who puts it on, is a fucking icon, and uh, we're frothing to be a part of it. And don't forget the surfing. Like, holy smokes, last year was skits. Nathan Hedge, Sheldon Simkus, Dexter Muskins, like the full underground core lords from the zone and elsewhere, now broadened uh, to include... The global field, I'm sure there's going to be some high-end surfers coming in from Indo, from the Padma Beach, boys, and uh, elsewhere on the planet. Super psyched to be a part of it. Tap in. Yes, this week's episode is an absolute stonker. Four mates from Avalon on Sydney's northern beaches and what might be the most ambitious and successful surf trip in Australian history, if not the world. Pro surfers Fraser Dovell and Letty Mortensen and their cameraman mates Spencer Williams and Guy Willamont ventured into the depths of the Russian winter to a region known as Kamchatka, east of Siberia, in search of waves. What they found is a stop-press moment in surfing, a fucked-up, world-class slab which is almost certainly just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to waves in that part of the world well punned smithy well punned indeed in many ways this is australian surfing's answer to the hit american surf film cradle of storms which takes place in alaska and also fully scored mind-boggling waves the difference is the americans didn't have to leave their country to score whereas these guys not only left their country for another their trip perfectly coincided with russia's declaration of war in Ukraine. Now, the film, which I've seen, and which will be hitting cinemas in the coming weeks and months, is mind-melting. But the backstories and all the tidbits that go on around it are equally as fucked up. This was just mind-blowing, really, that a crew of four guys from the comfort of Sydney's northern beaches could have uh, ventured this far into the unknown and come up with the results they did.
1: That Swell presents
0: Crawl What a surf film. I uh, sat there watching it last night and it reminds me of like some of the other great adventure films I've seen recently like Sherpa and just like these films that go up in the Himalayas except you guys are carting quivers around and packing it. Thanks, man. Uh, I mean, where do we start? Oh, mate, where do we start with this? Um, Should we just go straight to the top and work back from there? Like the 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 moment that you guys lay eyes on that slab from the helicopter and it's fully puffing and fucking going inside out. I mean, talk us through that moment. I
2: reckon right, you get yeah, Frazzy, else? this is you. He saw it. It was pretty
3: pretty wild. We were flying through these like mountain ranges, and you're looking out like the portals of the helicopter, and you know, there's so much going on, there was so much swell battering the coast. And then like all of a sudden I just caught out of like the side of my eye, just this crazy left just folding in the middle of the ocean there. And we would planned to go to a different wave to this like left point that we'd kind of seen. Um, so like that's where our flight path was. And then we Like once we landed there we're like we need to go back to this left like it looks insane and then like so we sat there and like drew in the snow like the coastline where we're gonna land and it was fucking pretty wild like so wild um and then what else yeah
1: so we yeah we flew back there and then we landed on the beach jumped out of the chopper and the wave was about like a kilometer out to sea so we got a drone up and flew it out and just kind of you could see these like fucking eight foot slabs just folding over this reef and we were just like holy shit like we're on yeah and then
3: I, the the wind was still up at that point so i was like puffing onshore and like it was pinching at the end Ben had the long lens out and we were like "Fuck, i think we have to like have a crack at this so we all got our stuff on started paddling out which is like what 15 minute paddle out
2: yeah more maybe 20 minute paddle
3: out yeah this wave was like in the middle of this bay and out to sea probably like a k and a half and we were like, well, let's just do it. And then by the time we'd gotten out there, it was the wind swung to offshore. And me and Mordo were just sitting there, just going, We cannot believe what we've just seen. Like this is like a you know pipeline, Chopu <laughs> esque slab breaking with snow mountains in the background. Like never in our wildest dreams did we think that we'd actually find a wave like that, never mind in that place. And um I think that's when me and, me and Let went, okay, this waves of like, it's eight foot, it's pretty, pretty hectic. We got no idea what's under the water, what the rock situation is, what this breaks on. And we are like, okay, we've got to kind of ease into this, but we also didn't, we had limited time. It was afternoon and the helicopter had to fly back that afternoon. So we didn't have a crazy amount of time and we we're like, well, kind of just got to have a, a hot crack at this and see how it goes
0: oh man I'll tell you it's as critical as any slab you can imagine I mean obviously people listening to this won't have seen the film but it's it's in that six to eight foot range it's fully under the lip like uh and and you know more condensed than chopes pretty much backless and you've had you know not really a chance to uh get your bearings on the wave as you said you don't know where the, the dry bits of rock are and I can only imagine what it would entail if you had Gotten injured and, and getting out of there. Uh, I might throw this one to you, Letty. I mean, you'd never even really surfed in, in cold water uh, until a couple of days earlier. I mean, talk us through just trying to knife drops uh backside in five mil of rubber with a fucking,
4: I don't know, what what's the water Dude, temp up there? The water like- temp was like two to three. And um, mate, we we're in six fives, and then obviously the gloves and boots, they were seven mil like seven mil of rubber under your feet, trying to fucking find where your feet are, let alone like surfing a wave that I personally was cheating myself on. Cause you haven't surfed it. You don't know what's under you. Like there's, and like you said, you're in the middle of nowhere. But um, I don't know, we just handled it, man. Like we were on the beach and I was like, dude, I swear this isn't a wave. Like Dovey saw it out, Fraser saw it out of the chopper. And because we, we were so far away we couldn't actually see what it was doing and fraz like at the end we were just like we we have to paddle out and like he said we paddled out and just like as you got closer and closer and closer we we're like fuck this is like a legitimate heavy hectic slab and we watched it for like what seemed like a while probably like four waves so five minutes or so and we yeah we paddled out and it Dude, it, it was psycho, Jed. Like it, it was wild. Just knowing that, like, no one, because they knew the area, the the locals were with, and the the guides are helping us. But they they were like, oh, it's probably not a wave. Like, just be, their level of surfing kind of didn't allow that. And um, I don't know. It it was our first waves. Like Fraz's first wave, man, was like pretty pretty cool. So it was, yeah, it was. It was psycho, man. It was pretty special surfing somewhere that no one surfed before and just like all that unknown shit that you don't normally have. You're like, you go down the coast or wherever you go all over the world and you're like, yeah, I kind of know this and this. But when all that's out the door, I don't know. I'm probably a bit of a pussy with that stuff, but uh, Fraz fucking went head in. It was sick. It was really sick.
0: Yeah. I mean, did you ever think you were going to find conditions like that? Like that is a
2: world-class slab um yeah spend yeah I I think like we kind of looked into this this area and planned this project for like pretty much two years and in all the research and all like the past people that have been up there to surf like the biggest wave we saw was probably like a two-foot beachy um so this this trip was kind of always going to be just about the adventure and it was like the expectations for getting crazy waves were super low like we had higher hopes but we'd never actually seen anything up there that like resembled like a kind of really good wave um so it was it was a full pipe dream we just like we we saw like a trend on old swell maps that um in winter they get like one or two kind of pretty massive swells and then the tail end of those storms uh it's offshore wind so um we didn't really know if it was going to be good waves but like on the charts it was like yeah six to eight foot with offshore wind so you kind of assume that there's going to be be something there um but yeah as I said expectations were were not very high for waves so when that swell did pop up for that day we um we spoke to our local friend up there Anton he um he's kind of like the one of the only surfers up there and he basically just said that swell is too big for this coastline you're not going to find anywhere um it's going to be a write off like he's seen a hundred swells that big and he didn't really know anywhere to go, but we, we kind of just took the risk. We, we couldn't just sit in at the cabin in the mountains when there's like a eight foot swell with offshore wind. So we spent a shitload of money hiring a helicopter and basically just flew down the coast on a, on a whim that we were going to find something. And then yeah, the universe gave us a little bit of something. I don't know what it was, but. That was, um yeah, that was the day that we
0: saw that left. Oh, man. I'll tell you, it's up there with the the greatest sequences of surfing that's ever been captured. It's it, like the, the sheer audacity of the adventure is so mind-melting, especially for someone from Australia where, you know, we don't get uh, temperature ranges, anything like that. I mean, you guys, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you, you know, you, you, you're camping in the snow. Like, it, it's fucking... <laughs> gale force winds uh you know just the most psychotic conditions imaginable can you talk us through that stretch of coastline like you know what it reminds you of compared to somewhere else in the world if it does in fact have any similarities to anywhere or just kind of give us a breakdown of the the geography and 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 the kind of storms and swell sizes i i remember in the film you know on that the first time you guys surfed that slab it's like uh the swell heights were like maxing out at like six meters or something in the the days uh or the day previous so yeah just give us a bit of
1: an insight into
0: that part of the world and that
1: coastline yeah i think that part of the coastline was like nothing we'd ever experienced or seen before like we did iceland a few years ago um which was mind bending. that was insane too but then going to camp you've got like 150 volcanoes 30 are still active and there's like 1200 kilometers of coastline that's never been like searched for waves before so it's just like we were just tripping out the whole time and when you're flying in the choppers and you're seeing all these different setups it's like you're just like looking at each other and you're just like how are we here like how is this real and how have we made this happen and then when you see waves coming in it's just like yeah you're just losing your mind but like spenny was saying before we kind of looked at the charts from the last like five to ten years and did see that there was swell hitting in winter so we were Kind of just going on that and just got like crossing our fingers and praying that we we're going to get one or two days where we actually saw like the coastline light up. But it's pretty much like uh, Allah Duller to Noosa of stretch, like of coastline that's never been explored. So we were just like, there's got to be something. Mm-hmm. And it was like a lot had to come together, like in regards to like weather, tides, well, obviously you can't fly the choppers if there's like clouds and storms and stuff. So you only get like a handful of days to actually score. So yeah, when we did get that day, it was just like, Insane. And yeah, the boys are surfing in like six mils of rubber. The water's one to three degrees and it's minus 10 to minus 15 outside. So there's like all these different elements. And then you're camping in the snow and you're trying to stay warm. And it's just like, yeah, it's just like you against the elements a lot of the time. And yeah, like you saw in the film, nature kind of just wins a lot. Like you, <laughs> you do your best to get days, but a lot of the time you just like lose and you kind of just like have your head down and you're like, hey, we're trying. But um yeah, nature's definitely in control there. And the
4: the for, the oh, forecast for, for those waves as well, man. Like we'd we go somewhere thinking the wind was going, let's say west or whatever, at like 10 knots, and we get there, and you know, it's like 40 knots from the east and like dead on shore or something like that. Like the the weather there is just like we're so used to being here, and it's kind of figured out for us. We're just like, okay, we know that the forecasts are pretty trustworthy. And over there, like man that shit's like out the door like you you can rely on it but at the end of the day there's just there's just so many storms
3: going on so you just I don't know get skunked or score heavily (laughs) oh there's just a few times where we're meant to get picked up by the helicopter because you get dropped for you know three or four days while you're camping in the snow and then all of a sudden Max who owns the lodge gets a call on his sat phone and he's like yeah, we can't pick you up for another a day or two. There's, you know, these winds have just changed and we can't put the chopper in the in the air. Like it's too, it's too risky. And you're just like, well, I guess we're battening down the hatches <laughs> and sitting in the snow for another two days.
0: <laughs> oh man, so crazy. I mean, talk to us about what it's like to camp in the snow. You're dealing with yeah, and surf and camp in the snow. I mean, you're dealing with like minus fifteen degrees Celsius temperatures. Uh, I mean, that that's a, a minimum, I think. Like, got a fair bit colder than that. But you know, talk to us about just the and fuck. It must be inconvenient trying to get dry, trying to get warm, uh, taking a shit in the morning. It's just all that stuff. I'm a fucking torture.
2: <laughs> oh, you know, that lady. You're a lead
4: snow
2: camping. So that's it. A- <laughs> yeah.
4: I feel like I'm the biggest pussy here, so I should probably take that. Um, Yeah, man, it's like we, the the dry wetsuit situation was hectic Um, because sometimes we'd be surfing like two, mostly two times a day, sometimes more. But yeah, you're wet, like we'd hop on like the snowmobiles, for instance, and find a way of this and that. And then you're, you're like it's a full race against time to like put your suit on because if you've like if your toes get cold like you're done and so like you're racing against that and then like i'd i'd like go for a little jog on the beach or something to to to, i don't know heat the feet up so i could actually feel something and then depending on you know waiting for waves like you'd either surf for 40 minutes or if there was heaps of waves, like a, a fair bit longer, like hour and a half or so, but it was definitely, I don't know. You just get put in those positions and you get used to it. But the snow camping, like I had no clue, like how I'd be. And um, man, like you're, you're always like accustomed, You're prepared when you're somewhere. Like we had all the right sleeping bags, all the right tents and, and this and that so but like digging out the hole and setting up the tent in like howling winds and then you're like waking up it's cold as fuck and then you're like holy shit I got to put a <laughs> freezing wet weddy on in like minus 20 and you, you literally just like I'd, I'd go for runs me and Fraz would go for runs on the beach to warm up but actually getting out of the water and getting changed that was hectic that was like I, I'd be in full like my hands and feet like it'd be legitimate pain, like sharp mm-hmm. pain. It was classic. I'm probably sound like a pussy, but like it was it was classic. It was a it was so funny though, like, yeah, no, I just, can relate to yeah, those experiences yeah, to surfed in uh, the
0: North Sea in Germany in two degree water and an island in six degree water, which is positively <laughs> tropical compared to what you guys were dealing <laughs> with. but. Just the the pain of like not being able to feel your fingers, trying to get your hands in gloves when your fingers are, are numb and the loss of sensation in, in all of those uh, extremities makes Ooh. surfing critical waves of, of the kind that you guys were surfing. It, it seems, you know, fucking almost impossible. And we had the comfort of a car and somewhere to warm up. And I mean, this is kind of like a whole nother level. And then to see the, the <laughs> surfing that you guys were capable of kind of blew my mind.
4: Thanks, man. We tried. We definitely tried. It took a bit to get used to. Our first surf. Yeah, felt felt pretty clumsy. Me and Fraz were definitely having a laugh. And by the end, you're kind of just used to it.
0: Talk to us about that. Yeah, that, that bay as well. Like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you end up surfing two slabs in that bay. Is that
3: right? Yeah, so there's, there's one out, one was- out the
0: back behind
3: it. Yeah, so there's the one that we initially saw, and then so that's like in the middle of this bay. So essentially it's like a big horseshoe with a V in the middle. And then that slab that we surf was off that the tip of that V. But then to our left, a bit further out was this massive rock pinnacle. And we were like, wait, there's there's kind of a wave out there too. And I swear everywhere you look on that coastline, you just see setups, you're like, oh. like we were just getting so excited. The possibilities and like, if you had, Endless amounts of money and time. I just think you could find some of the wildest waves in the world there. Um, but yeah, we saw this wave and the the winds were too strong for the slab and we were like, let's go have a crack at that. And it turned out to be this like really, really psycho, like punchy left, sucky up like novelty wave. Um, but you know, on its day that could get really good.
4: Yeah, it's like, like um, there's yeah, Fred snapped his leash and got washed up against the rocks and shit. It was it
0: was classic. <laughs> now, boys, talk us through the the preparations for an adventure like this. I mean, uh, one of the the aspects of the film I really enjoyed is just how well shot it is. Uh, I don't know, like just whether you guys were running tracks through the snow and, and and getting those you know kind of moving shots with the the foreground framed up really nice. But mate, the the, the infrastructure. <laughs> that you guys had to bring with you to make the trip possible from boards, tents, wetsuits to, to camera gear is uh, yeah, pretty daunting to say the least.
2: Yeah. So it was a, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a nightmare, but it was awesome. Like we, we pretty much put aside like, yeah, the better part of six months to prepare and plan and get all our shit together. And I think, um, yeah, the visas were probably the hardest element of anything because uh there was basically no way that Australians or tourists could get into Russia at the time. Um so, so yeah, it was a, it was a nightmare a lot of back and forth. We got a few few positive pushes and then we got a few letdowns, but um yeah, in the end after 6 months of hustling, we got a approved humanitarian visa with 4 days before we flew out. So uh that was um yeah, that was that was probably the the psychos thing. And then apart from that, we uh, we made wetsuits um, with Project Blank. They're a wetsuit company out of Australia, and they they basically came on board as the the lead sponsor and custom made us wetsuits with um yeah with kind of fur where we needed it. And the boys had me and Guy had different ones for filming in the water. We had just a little bit more warmth, and then the boys had like kind of a little bit more flexible ones for surfing because they needed the arm flexibility um so yeah that process in itself was awesome we went in there we designed the suits we um got prototypes we jumped in an ice bath with the wetsuits on and had a move around um felt if there was any water coming in or where they could improve and then basically yeah back to the drawing board back to the uh the warehouse and got some new weddies for the trip and what else did we do we got uh yeah heli hansen came on as like an outerwear sponsor and they they're pretty world-renowned as some of the best outdoor outerwear you can get so they hooked us all up with heaps of gear and yeah i reckon if we didn't have that gear we would have been in some serious trouble they ended up probably saving our lives at some points and what else did we do? yeah
1: there we, yeah, was just- a lot when it was like yeah like spenny said it was like six to eight months of planning like every day we were having meetings with like the guys over in camp. Chaka and the, um, the, the Russian embassy in Sydney, just trying to see if it was like a possibility. And like, yeah, like a week out from the trip, like we had our flights booked and insurances and everything. Like we didn't even know if we were going. And like the, boy, the boys had all their boards made, which I think like we'd never experienced that before, like spending six months on a trip, um, preparing for a trip and then like drop 30k already. And like a week out, we don't even know whether we're going or not. So when those visas came through, we were all just like, just losing it. We all had a celebratory beer and just like, all right, let's do this. Um, but yeah, it was like definitely the most any of us have ever worked on a project before. Like even before we went, and then you saw kind of the the shit show that happened um, during our transit over there when uh, um, Russia invaded Ukraine. So there's just like so many different things that that happened in this like a few day period. And then once we got there, it was just like holy shit, we've made it, and it was just like go time, I guess from there.
4: Yeah,
0: that's such a a left field uh, kind of thing that happens there as you're landing, war breaks out. And I'm interested to know, I mean, like, what were the ramifications or or inconveniences of entering a war zone for you guys? I mean, I guess the conflict was literally brand new. Like, you're kind of landing in Russia pretty much the day they invade. Uh, But being Westerners in Russia, uh, far out, it was a very dicey proposition. And I was really wondering, you know, what were... I wonder what was going through the immigration officials' minds when they were weighing up whether to let you in or not because, you know, far out, for all they know, you could be spies and for all you know, you could end up on a trumped-up spy charge and, and used as a political pawn anyway. It was so terrifying. I can imagine uh, your families must have been freaking.
3: <laughs>
1: Let's get this. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> um, Letty, you know, wanna- <laughs> coming
3: in, coming in was was wild. That's when our visas weren't linked to our passports, so we came through immigration, and we all went to separate lines. Letty got let through um, with his British passport, and then they just essentially took mine, Spenny, and guys' passports and said, "Go wait over there." And we were like okay we're like how long do we wait what's happening like had no idea what was what was going on and i think it was probably two two to two and a half hours later they go frost dove and um and guy like and w- william sorry um come into this room and we you know we're like okay like they must have worked it out like we'll get let through now and we, we walk into a room and it's this windowless room they close the door and we see our passports they all have three, three uh, pieces of paper in them. Like, oh, okay. This must be like the approval to get in. And it's all of them were stamped signed and it was declaration of non-entry to country stamp signed. And they were essentially like, if you guys don't get this sorted, you're on the next flight out of here in 40 minutes. And at that point, like the team in Kamchatka because it's such a big place. The time zones were like, I think it was what three in the morning. Yeah.
2: Fuck, yeah. So really
3: we're, amazing. we're, we're calling like. The the people that have kind of linked the visas just going like, hey, like we, we got on the phone, we're like, how do we sort this out? And she she ended up talking to the customs official and sorting it out. But we were about probably 10 minutes away from getting getting kicked kicked out,
1: which would have been <laughs> while well, we didn't know where Letty was. <laughs> yeah, while
3: Letty's just on the
4: other side. <laughs> I was on the other side just chilling in Moscow. It was classic.
0: I'll be interested yeah. to know too, I mean, given the, the global relevance of this conflict, uh, you know, it's pretty hard to get insights into what's going on in Russia and, and, and how people feel about it on the ground there. Like, what were your Russian friends or, or guides take on the conflict? <laughs>
1: um, yeah, uh, yeah, we – the people – we would definitely um, – with a certain group of people who were just like you and me, like they were surfers, they were nature lovers, they were snowboarders, like we were like far east, like as far east as you can go in Russia. So the group of people we were with were definitely um, like opposed to what was going on. Um, and they were amazing people and they made us feel like extremely safe while we we're there. But yeah, I think it's hard to kind of speak on behalf of whole of Russia because that wasn't our experience. Like the only the people we met were incredible. Um, and yeah, like I said, they were pretty like opposed to what was happening. but yeah, we kind of didn't really want to get too political, like you saw with the film, just because, yeah, it was pretty rogue time to be there. And one, we didn't want to get ourselves in trouble because we had like, what, 16 hard drives worth of footage coming home.
2: 150 um, kilos of camera gear. Yeah,
1: and like a lot of camera gear. And like you said, like, we didn't know whether they think we were spies or not. So we kind of didn't want to get, like, too political with it all or have, you know, interviews talking about the war and stuff because we were just like, we just need to get the hell out of here. Um, but yeah, it was like the people we were with, like I said, they were they were amazing. like. They made us feel super safe and comfortable while we're there and like to be honest where we were was so far away and like we weren't watching the news like, like the only updates we we're getting from like was from friends and family back home and that's when you kind of understood how like hectic the situation was um like we'd be camping for like three or four days out in the snow like no reception you know no connection to anything and then we would get back to the lodge and you know you'd get a message from your partner just going hey like this situation's pretty gnarly like i reckon you guys should get out of there like ASAP um, and even like when we we're flying over like Fraser's parents were just like I don't know if you guys should go like is it really worth to go and make a surf film like the chances of you guys getting stuck there are like you know no one knew what was going on so there's so many different opinions and yeah we didn't know what to do and like we decided to go but and we're, we're glad we did because we met some amazing people and had the most incredible crazy adventure but it was definitely like yeah it was very strange at times being there when that was all happening.
0: Yeah, wow! What a crazy proposition. Because in theory, like, I mean, your your minds must have just been going wild. Because in theory, like, there's so many unknown outcomes. Like, maybe fucking flights leaving Russia get grounded, or maybe like all your hard drives get confiscated because they they think you're taking footage of uh, I don't know, like special sites or sensitive sites. Like, oh man, you guys must have just been doing backflips in your mind.
2: It was a pretty pretty hard because like. The reason we were there was to like obviously go on this amazing trip, but it was to create this project and to work on this film and and guy's book. And it's it was pretty hard for all of us to focus or like try and focus all of our time and like attention on making this project when all of that's going on in the background and everyone's messaging from home. Kind of yeah, definitely throws you off a little bit, but um. When we did go camping, like when we, we'd, we'd get the helicopter and we'd get dropped to the beach for a few days, there was like absolutely no reception, like no power, no phones, no internet. So that was like weirdly like a bit of a breath of fresh air to like disconnect from everything and then just, yeah, enjoy nature and focus on making this surf film.
0: And how's Russia different? Like what were the big culture shocks for you guys as you stepped off the plane and started weaving your way through the country to get to surf?
3: It's just such a like cold, harsh place. Like the environment, like it was one of the wildest landscapes I've been in. And then you've just got this, you know, really brutalist and almost you know communist architecture that's just placed into this environment. And it's you know, it's just so cold and and like h- harsh and monolithic almost. It's 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 wild and like. You've got all this black snow that builds up in the cities and it was it was a trip. I would have I would have loved to have actually been able to, you know, walk around Moscow and seen seeing that side of it. But where we were in Kamchatka, it was it was a it was a very uh isolated and you yeah know, it felt like we'd gone back in time and dark
1: was, and scary. It was yeah. pretty ghetto, like the yeah, city it was full scary. ghetto, like it was a very poor town. Like yeah. and like so we, where we were staying at the beach, like that little cabin we were staying in, was probably like I don't know, forty to an hour drive from the from the main town, and that was like the only beach that was accessible by road. But yeah, like because what was going on at the time with the um yeah the situation, we weren't spending much time in the city at all. We were kind of just like either in the mountains at the lodge or at the beach surfing, and we were kind of just trying to keep a low pro- profile, mm-hmm. to be honest.
0: What about some of the characters uh you met along the way? I mean, who are the standout people, or you know, just some of the highlights in terms of the, the personal interactions that you guys had? Letty, do you
1: wanna, do you wanna yeah, get that?
4: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um Black like Man, we uh <laughs> we we had a hell time. We um at the lodge we were at, there were a bunch of guys from I don't know. I think the other side of Russia, who who would come to snowboard and that, and man, we we'd uh, we'd go on like and heli boarded with them, and then we'd come back to the lodge and we just would have like we had a crazy dinner with them and a big piss up and drinking heaps of vodka and just a hell time. And mate, honestly, like they were just frothing on on surfing and like we we talk about. I don't know what just like about just surfing over there and like they they wouldn't give a shit about how cold it was. And we'd be on the chopper heli boarding and he'd pull out like a a flask of vodka and we'd have vodka and then snowboard down the mountain. <laughs> and like it dude, it was like they were just I don't know. It there's definitely a stereotype to Russians, I reckon. And man we were just having a blast with them drinking piss talking shit like the same shit we talk about and just like having having fun it it was it was really cool and like the the hospitality they had for us being there and they they were nothing but excited and like just keen to to show us their their culture while we were there and like man that's all you can ask for, for wherever you go in the world, you you just want to be accommodated and shown how they live and shown their culture, and um, yeah, man, we it, it was special. We were very looked after and and shown nothing but love and and just having a fucking hell time with with with
3: Russians. It was it was cool. One think, of my f- highlights. Yeah, go on. I think Max, so Max who owns the the lodge there, and then Anton who was the surfer that we were with, they were. Anton and Max just two of the nicest people we've ever come across like so hospitable and just wanted to share their love for that area and the surf and adventure and I think that they just showed us truly one of the nicest places in in the earth and yeah Anton Anton was such a character man this guy has taught himself how to surf after watching one movie found a surfboard in the middle of nowhere taught himself how to surf in negative, you know, 15 degrees and just truly, like, shit, like, it's just so stoked to do it. It was really, really refreshing to see that.
0: Amazing, yeah. Amazing that he could just watch the modern collective and then suddenly have those nose picks on, yeah. uh, <laughs> just on lock and just, you know, all those weird, like, moments where he was standing around frozen pyramids and shit. Fuck, what, what a trip, eh? no but uh man talk us through one of my favorite parts of the film is just when you first find waves like you've gone through the most torturous journey to get there imaginable and you pull up straight into like you know really fun waves like talk us through just what that's like man that the exhilaration after traveling that far only to find yourself in in a perfect little beach break or, or reef scenario whatever it was but fuck that must have been so exhilarating
2: yeah you guys man yeah i guess um so so avalon beach to Kamchatka was 60 hours of travel from like door to door so like three days basically and then those three days were kind of the most stress-filled <laughs> anxious like uncertainty like from everything that was happening while we we're in transit so yeah, I guess to go through all of that, and then with the expectations of waves that we were going to get on the trip, they they really weren't very high, as I was mentioning. And um, yeah, straight off the plane, we we landed in Kamchatka, and Anton, the local surfer, said, "Hey, there's, it's been storms for two weeks, but um, there's waves today. So if you guys are up for it, like I know you're tired as, but um, let's go surfing." So loaded up the truck and yeah, drove to his local beach and. Like the scene was, it's just this snow covered beach. Um, Guy was saying before, for anyone on the East coast of Australia, it's uh, Ulladala to Noosa, 1300 kilometers of coastline. And this this one beach is the only beach that you can drive to with a car on that whole coastline. Um, so that in itself is pretty mind blowing. But um, yeah, basically we got there and yeah, the the waves that we saw were probably better than we waves that we were probably expecting to get on the trip at all. So. First day, an hour off the plane, we are already into like, yeah, pumping little two foot beachy and yeah, the boys just went to town. It was a bit bit wobbly at the start, but they got got it together and yeah, that was a good old, good welcome to camp Yeah,
0: it's a really beautiful sequence to really beautifully shot and uh, captured just the emotion of it. Uh, I really enjoyed that part. And in terms of just like getting around the joint, you know, you mentioned helicopter, Um, you guys were we're traversing the coastline on snowmobiles with all your shit on the back of it. Like, how radical was the terrain there in terms of just getting
1: to the waves? Yeah, it was it was it's fucking wild to be honest. Like, yeah, like I said before, it was just like us against nature the whole time. It felt like so we had yeah we had like big foil drives to access um the beach, and then after like there was a massive snowfall, you had to like ditch the car probably like halfway like. 30 minutes before getting to the beach and then jump on snowmobiles with all our gear and then snowmobile to the cabin. So that was like, sometimes that'd take like six hours to get one surf in and Like you get there and it's on shore and one foot and you just like fucking hell. But it was like, when you'd score, it just made it like so much more special because you're just putting in so much effort. That's like, you see the emotion the first day we get there, like to get two to three foot pumping waves after what you go through. Like, it's just like, yeah, it's it's insanely and special. And we're all just frothing. And then I think the helicopter was like the one of the main reasons why we we did this trip and we we're so excited to, you know, potentially find new waves in a place that's never been surfed. And there's just so many things that have to come together to even fly the chopper. Like we'd base ourselves in the mountains and then just kind of keep an eye on the swell charts and look. And then, you know, you'd see a swell pop up like seven days out, and you'd be like, okay, um, how's the wind looking? How's the weather looking? Are there clouds? What's the wind like the tide? So there was so many different things. And then once you'd be able to get to fly, it was just like crazy. So I think like between that, the snowmobiles and the full drives, was like a lot of things just to be able to score waves. It
2: was a logistical nightmare constantly.
1: Yeah, it was constant. Like, like Fraz said before, like we did one trip to the coast that costs, I don't know, it's, you know, north of 10K and we didn't even get to surf just because we were planning to stay out there for a few nights and then the pilots ring and they're like, yo, there's a big storm coming in, we got to come and get you. And we're just like, all right, pack up the tents, pack up the weddings and get back to the lodge. And you're just kind of looking at each other, just going, what the fuck are we doing here? Mm. Like, could have gone to Indo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. I, I imagine you could have gone to Indo fucking 10 times over for the amount of money that that you spent. Yeah, I, I was wondering, I mean, what sort of costs are we talking about and, and who was footing the bill? Uh,
2: so, what can I say? Yeah, <laughs> the trip the trip was about hundred grand, somewhere in that ballpark, and um, yeah, we had some great sponsors jump on. Um, Project Blank obviously was the the lead sponsor, and they jumped on from the start, and yeah, really helped us out. And then um, Letty's sponsors are Ru- Rusty Surfboards. They um or Rusty they jumped on as well. Fraser's got Misfit and FCS. Fishbowl. surf um fishbowl jumped on, on uh gopro and red digital cinema were and canon cameras were the camera sponsors and yeah we basically promised everyone in the world and just hope that <laughs> hope that we got a surf in and yeah i think what we found really like yeah it truly blew all of our expectations but i was telling someone this the other day it was so funny looking back like we were we were pitching this idea and this trip to all these brands and sponsors but we'd like We genuinely didn't know if there was like good waves up there we'd we'd seen glimpses of fun beach breaks but we really just had like the biggest punt of all times trying to pull this off and yeah i hope they're i hope they're happy with what we did
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh man fortune favors the bold holy smokes you guys came up
2: trumps
0: man i I just feel like uh, the surfing public is going to be completely blown away when this film lands. Like uh, I know there was that one, uh cradle of storms in Alaska where they come up with a, a similar find, like a, you know, I guess the yin to your yang, they found a, a perfect right slab. You guys have found a imperfect left slab, but I mean, that <laughs> film is definitely like, you know, an iconic film um, and I feel like this is going to slot in nicely alongside it as yeah, it's the next frontier, isn't it? Like the cold. And, um, you know, whether it's Iceland, Ireland, uh, or Eastern Russia, like it's just untold how many world-class waves are in these zones. And those who are willing to go and, and make the effort to go there, like I think that is something that the surfing industry and surfing community should invest in and really pay attention to because it's the fucking grittiest most core type of surf travel that there is
4: i think watching watching cradle of the storms like man obviously guy and fraser and spenny they did iceland and an island and did the, the first corners of the earth a few years ago and for me like man watching their last film and then just watching their last film like you as a surfer or as anyone who just likes travel like it's so fucking inspiring and the the hard you realize the hard work that goes into something and you're like why why did someone want to be so cold and 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 travel so far and like just struggle and to just to surf but like that feeling you get when you score is just insane and like watching the the cradle of the storms when they're surfing that right man like you like you feel that happiness to your fucking core. and it's like it's a feeling that I'd never felt before because I'd never worked so hard to find waves. And like you kind of you realize why these people do it. and you, you know, like creating new frontiers for for finding waves and just like going beyond to to do that is like something so special. And I loved watching all the all those cold water movies before. And so now to be a part of it and and kind of, you know, understand that feeling and like hopefully inspire other people to, to do the same and just get out of your comfort zone. Um, it's, it's cool. It's special.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you touched on a couple of things there, I guess, you know, films that make you feel something are currency. Like so many surf films mm. don't make you feel anything. It's just another high performance surf film, uh, another web edit. Um, really, you can count on one hand the amount of surf films that come out each year where you actually uh, feel something like there's some kind of emotional exchange or some kind of inspiration or motivation or, or even just a sick story told. There's very few of them. And when I think of the money that you guys spent, 100K, like far out, man, I feel like that's pretty par for the course for, for most high-performance surf films. Far out, Guys are traveling to all corners of uh, the kind of tropical world to um collate clips and uh there's expensive hotels and and all the rest of it so uh yeah to me it it seems like a a a very worthy spend and far out man and uh like you got from watching cradle of the storms lady i I got a lot out of this you know a lot of motivation a lot of just uh just really transfixed really on the process of of, of traveling thanks man i
4: think that's what it's about eh? like the the boys just hustling you know you know to get to get moments that are special and that you'll remember forever and you know photos on our wall and you know a crazy fucking book that guy worked on and literally bended and didn't sleep to get to get done and um they're all just things to to leave behind man it's it's sick and that's like you look at photos and you feel it and you watch a movie and and you're inspired and you're like it's, it's fucking cool it's I'm so so proud of the lads for for pulling it together and and being a part of it it's just like I'd, I never thought I'd be a part of something like this and and something created by you know your three best mates it's psycho
0: And traveling around the countryside, there you guys keep pulling up at these insane little outposts in the middle of fucking nowhere. Um, You know, all of a sudden, like you pull up, and there's these like trippy little snow sharks buried in like fucking meters of snow. Uh, You know, can you explain to us, like, give us a kind of bird's eye view of uh, uh, of the trip, like the places you're at. I mean, how long you spent there? You guys were there for like fucking two months or something like (laughs) it wasn't like a strike mission you guys
2: were there for so long um yeah so i guess like to keep it simple that we were there for two months and the trip was more or less split up in thirds so a third of the trip we were at like a five-star luxury heli boarding lodge um that was base camp um basically max who um he's just like a he's an ex-professional snowboarder he owns the lodge over there he's like real well-known russian figure he basically saw the opportunity in this project he said they've never done a surf film so he was just like i'm totally in i'm gonna help you guys out with logistics i'm gonna let you guys have one of our cabins to stay in leave all your stuff there and from there we basically Moved moved around from that one cabin, that was base camp. And that was also where the helicopters came to pick us up when we did go on the missions. Uh, the next third of the trip, we were at that beach that we were telling you about. So um, where the local surfer Anton has his camp. Um, so it was that was kind of the total difference. It's like no power, no water, yeah, no electricity. Uh, we're just sleeping in this little kind of ghetto bus cabin thing in the snow um and yeah we all crammed into this this little shack bus and um it was basically like 50 meters from the shoreline so we'd sleep there we'd wake up we'd make a little little brew go walk across and see if there's any waves at the beach and um and then from there we could jump on snowmobiles and kind of explore down the coast and then um yeah the last third of the trip we were we were camping so We'd get um we'd get dropped to the to different bays in the helicopters when we knew the swell was going to be good and they'd basically leave us there with tents, food, cooking gear, survival gear, boards, weddies, snow gear, camera gear, like loaded up with load up the heli with everything we needed, fly to the coast, drop us off, ditch everything out of the heli, and they'd basically fly home and we'd be um yeah, left to ourselves to fight the elements. Um, so yeah,
0: that's basically how the how the trip was split up. Oh my god, wow! And yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe those camping trips. Still, the the images are so fresh in my mind. I think it's kind of the wildest thing maybe that's ever been done in surfing. I mean, it's interesting too that you guys basically co-opted snowboarding infrastructure and just applied it to surfing, and it fucking
4: come up so good. <laughs> Oh, classic! And we, dude, we we were camping one day at this bay, and um, we're like getting ready to go surf, and like we see these these local fishos pull up on on snowmobiles, and they're talking to the to the guides we're with, and then they're like trading off fish. Like we're in the middle of nowhere, and they trade us like some dried up fish for like what was it like six beers? Beers, beers Middle of nowhere. And, like, they just pull up on – they look like the little um, things off, like, the first Star Wars, and they're pulling up and and trading fish. It was the sickest (laughs) thing ever. Middle of nowhere, like, classic.
0: Wow. I love stories like that. And what about the worst skunk mission? Like, how bad did it get, given, you know, the resource and energy spend just to go and check the surf? Like, what, what was the biggest tits up?
3: Man, there was there was some skunkings. I think it's hard. Like we only had limited helicopter hours just because it's so damn expensive. Um and being there for two months, it's like you see a swell pop up and you're like, all right, are we gonna are we gonna risk all of our helicopter hours for this swell, knowing that there's, you know, potentially another three weeks left in the trip with, you know, two or three other swells coming. So there was a few times where you'd, you know, you'd pull the pull the pin and go, all right, we're gonna do it. And you get there, and like we said, like the wind would just be the opposite direction, like 60 knots. It was some of the wildest weather I've ever dealt with. And you just, you just, you're so defeated when you get there and you've put so much, like, so much effort into being at a place and really, really wanting to score waves. And you get there, it's onshore, you can't surf you know you're looking at you're looking at spenny and guy you're like oh we just spent 10 grand and we've just gotten so skunk. <laughs> we could have we could have essentially gone to Indo for three weeks off you know this one flight in a helicopter <laughs> um <but I> think, <laughs> I think, you know like those those skunkings is what made um scoring waves so special
0: and in terms of just the worst it got, like, you know, I'd love to get off you guys, each of you, just like the, the most challenging moments of this adventure. Um,
2: you start again. Yeah, yeah, I think
1: for me, the most, ch- like, I think even getting there was just fucking wild. Like, like we spoke about before, it was six months of planning. Like, and when I say that, I mean, like, literally every day of six months was planning this trip. And then getting there, um, I think for me, personally, it was probably that session at the left when I I tried to shoot water, um, which was, yeah, it was just a chaotic day. Like Fraser spotted that crazy left slab out the window. We landed on the beach and everyone was just like super frantic and panicking because we only had like an hour and a half or two hours. Um, And I was kind of trying to decide whether to shoot land or water um, because it was a kilometer out and it's, you know, minus 10 and it was one or two degrees. So I was just wondering how I'm going to survive out there. And... I ended up deciding to take like a longboard that we had in the chopper out and try to shoot in the channel off that. Um, And it was like a, pretty much like an eight foot shore to even get out the back. So you're kind of timing that. I had a 10 foot log, like a long lens in a housing. And then the boys had kind of got out there before I had and straight away, like it was probably like a 20, yeah, 20, 25 minute paddle for me on the longboard with the gear. And then I've probably been shooting for like half an hour. And then this like rogue, eight foot wash through came through um
4: dude that thing was like
1: 10 to 12 yeah feet. it was it was, it was so big and i just had this fucking long board attached to my leg and this this wave just like completely smoked me landed in front of me my whole wedding got filled up with you know freezing water and i got dragged probably i don't know 500 meters over this like shallow rocky outcrop in the middle of the sea um and then i got yeah got washed against these rocks and my leggy got stuck on this um one of these boulders that was sticking out and just like the way the log like dragging me I wasn't underwater but I couldn't get my leggy off because we're wearing like seven mil mitts so I couldn't actually get my fingers into like the leggy kind of to rip it off so I was kind of just like in a in a panic and that probably went on for like 15 minutes against this like against the headland um then I eventually kind of got washed out into this the other side of the bay where it was deep water um, and by this stage I was I was completely fucked. Like I was like cold and cramping and my wedding was full of water. And I eventually like paddled back out to the boys. And um then we saw the flares go off from the beach from the pilots, which like we said before, there was a storm coming in. So they were saying, like, once you see the flares, like you guys got to get in like ASAP. And by this stage, I was just like fucked. And Letty and Fraz looked at me, and they're like, Are you all good? And I, I kind of just nodded and I was like, Yeah, yeah I'm sweet, but but I wasn't. And then we, they started paddling in, and yeah, it was it was a kilometer back to the beach where the hell he was, and I was just like completely out of energy and just depleted and exhausted. Um, and then the boys were pretty much on the beach trying to get in, and Letty looked back, and I was still about like I don't know five or six hundred meters away, and I was just struggling. And then Letty swam back and got me, and I was pretty much crying at this point, just thinking I was going to drown. Um, and then he helped me in, and we got to the shore, and I just like. As you saw in the film, just just melted and started crying, and I was just like, "Yeah, it was probably the first time in the ocean where I was like, I don't know if I can can make it in." So, for me, that was definitely like the the gnarliest part of the trip, um and yeah, probably one of the wildest ocean experiences I've ever had for sure.
0: Fuck, man, getting your leggy hooked on a boulder at the best of times is psycho. Let alone with seven mil gloves on. That, I mean, you're pretty lucky to have survived that.
2: And like a 10 kilo camera in the other hand,
4: <laughs> fucking hell, <laughs> and a gnarly current. Try we're trying to paddle in, and the current's go in the complete opposite way. Oh, funk was down, <laughs> down bug.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll go from left to right, then I guess. Spenny, man, what uh, uh yeah, I mean, it maybe gives you your highlight and your low light from the trip, I guess. <laughs>
2: Ah, uh, what do we got? The whole trip was sick and also <laughs> gnarly. What was my gnarly? I don't think I had any, help. I got freezing in the water. Oh no, I had, I had one day, there was a stitch up, apart from getting stuck skunked on that surf trip. All right, we so we landed one day in the helicopter and it was like 10 foot, I reckon. The boys decided to go out and I had to like traverse over these like mountains to get to the angle, to look like into the wave. And I was with Max, who is like, he's like a professional snowboarder, like grew up in the mountains, absolute. Yeah, he's just a psycho. It's like one of the, we'd be like the equivalent of like one of the most comfortable in the ocean people you can imagine, like that's him in the mountains. And he was basically like, all right, we've got a split board over this mountain, across this beach and then up this next mountain to get to the angle that we wanted to film and shoot from. And a split if you don't know, it's like a snowboard that's cut in half and you basically walk as skis so you can walk through snow. And then when you need to go down a hill, you got to put it back together and ride a snowboard down the hill. And then when you get to the bottom, you put it back into skis. So it's just a new experience. I would basically split boarded once in my life before. And he's like, you got to take your 20 kilo backpack and a tripod and all this extra weight on a split board up this hill. And I just kind of yeah, that was just like an absolute mission to, I slogged it out. It was one of the like the most physical endeavours of the whole trip. I walked up this hill in the snow. It's like, it was probably like, took me an hour to get there, snowboarded down, probably fell over like 10 times. And then like, went all the way to the other side of this bay, set up my camera, set up everything, looked looked across. And I just see the boys get out the back and then turn around and paddle back into shore. So that is. <laughs> so that was and then i had to do things all the same going back to the the helicopter i had to yeah walk another hour in snow snow uh split board back so that was pretty the most defeated i was the whole trip
0: (laughs) oh oh (laughs) my god yeah i'm glad you you told us that because all those little kind of uh behind the scenes moments they don't necessarily make the film like you, you you don't really know what goes into getting each shot you know you kind of take surf shots for granted because they're generally captured uh in places where there isn't a meter of snow so um yeah just just wrapping your head around the, the even the little things is just so torturous in a climate like that
4: yeah that's was
2: hardest
3: <laughs> part i mean surfing that left that was just a challenge in itself this wave was like it stepped out it never knew what it was going to do and I think it was our last session of the trip and we went back there and you know you're watching it from the from the shore you're like oh my god it's cooking and we got out there and me and me and Letty just had the biggest fight with this wave it wasn't letting us in we couldn't make takeoffs I mean, I went over the falls about 10 times, hit my hip on a rock. Like, and like every time you fall off, you're just getting dunked with freezing cold water, you get the gnarliest ice cream headaches and then you you get sucked around to this bay. And I think, I think we stayed out there for like two and a half hours. We just knew that it was like our last shot at it. It's like, all we wanted to do was just get a sick one and link up with Spenny and Guy. And I think like by the end of it, the tide had just dropped out too much and this swell was still so big. And we just got so fed jetty. (laughs) We came in bruised and battered and just defeated. And then, you know, we all loaded up in the helicopter. And I think we realized that it was like the last time we'd be out in that coastline, the last time in the heli. And um, we were flying over these, you know, these mountain ranges and it was sunset. And you look at all the boys and we're all so emotional. It was actually a, uh, it was a pretty special way to finish the trip almost. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't think people re- like really understand how painful surfing in water like that is. I mean, two degrees is essentially if you've got a chest freezer ice bath set up, you know, uh, when it's like got ice in it, that's basically around about the, the two degree mark. So, I mean, you, you can imagine what it's like to, uh, you know, you dunk yourself in a chest freezer for, for three minutes and you're fucking tripping and so cold, uh, you know, imagine surfing in that for an hour uh, and, and not really having any choice over whether your wetsuit gets flushed or not. And just a shock to the system, how draining that must be for you guys um, far out. And, and not to mention the the regular same old fear of trying to knife one under the lip on a six to eight foot. Uh, you know, experimental slab—you've never surfed before. The the challenge of all that is fucking so psycho.
3: Yeah, especially when you know your hands and your feet are completely numb and you can't move them, and you're trying to just put your feet in the wax and and make a takeoff. It's pretty funny, actually. We were coming up but- and just laughing, just like, oh boy. <laughs> Oh man, it's
0: such a hard wave to surf. No chip in. It was so. It's one of them waves that kind of just gets thicker. Yeah. It just doesn't uh doesn't get tall. It doesn't get easy. It's just like it's more condensed and angry. And you guys are out there with numb feet and toes after camping in the snow. The whole thing's so surreal. Um, Letty, yeah. What do you got, man? Uh, highlights, lowlights.
4: Mate, I reckon we need a highlight in there. Right? Give it a high Girls. highlight in there. More. Um,
2: Keep
4: it positive. Mate, the highlight. We we went to this volcano. And um, this we we stayed in this cabin in this volcano and just completely in the middle of nowhere. And um, to be honest, just standing standing at top of this fucking mountain, spitting sulphur with uh with three of your best mates just in in russia with no one around for hundreds of k's was uh was my highlight something i never thought i'd experience and then going back to the cabin and smoking a seizure with uh with the guides (laughs) and uh talking around the campfire (laughs) that that was my highlight
0: yeah how good's that couple of gold cone pieces going around the shack there in uh (laughs) mate
4: couple pieces going around it was epic. <laughs> yeah.
0: amazing amazing and just to, to tie it in a bundle man like um you know what was uh the exit strategy like and and how did it feel to be to be leaving it all behind
2: yeah so i guess we were there for two months and pretty much every day someone to some to one of us said come home and we had a lot of outside influence and a lot of people were kind of saying what they think. So yeah, two months there, was, it was definitely, um it was pretty stressful. And yeah, it was it was definitely time to come home by by the time that it was time to come home. And we had a, a visa exit date and they were basically just like the, we spoke to the embassy in Australia and we spoke to a lot of people. And at the end of the day, it was just like, stick to the plan, don't change your exit date. Just like stay for your time that you're meant to be there. Leave on the day that you're meant to leave. Don't do anything weird basically so so yeah that's what we did we um we filmed uh so much like the film Like we had 16 hard drives so basically that we just assumed that looks a little bit sus so we um I don't know if I'll get in trouble for this but I'll say it we just divvied them up between all of us and kind of hid them as best we could um I actually left a copy of the film like the whole film that we the, the whole footage that we shot I left a copy in Russia just to as a bit of like a backup security, just in case anything did happen to our copies of the film, because I'd hate to have gone through all that effort and then we get it confiscated or something happened. Um, that was the only backup plan we could really think of, um, just because of the size of the files. And then yeah, we left Kamchatka, flew ten hours over Russia, Siberia to Moscow, landed, slept at an airport hotel, and went to the airport we were, all, we were all definitely like a bit like on edge and just yeah we didn't really know if, if they were gonna do anything say anything and we were fucking yeah and then it was yeah we basically went we all went up to the like ex- export immigration people where you're gonna where you leave and all handed up passports and she kind of gave me like i wouldn't even call it a smile but a nod and let me through and didn't ask any questions and we were yeah we're on the other side of immigration and we were about to board our flight home
4: but for context jed we've been told by so many people that like leaving russia is alone like the hardest not the hardest but you get really quizzed they can check your phone they check photos like and we're like we're leaving at a time of war with and we've just tried to film a movie like dude we were shitting ourselves like it was it was pretty pretty crazy it was definitely like I don't know never think you'd be in that position in your life ever like and we'd just been heard of stories and been told of just how hard it was to or how thorough they would check um but by 8am we were having a schooner cheesing and stoked
0: oh that must have been a sweet feeling holy smokes and i mean to put this into perspective uh, i am pretty sure this trip would have been going down right around when uh brittany griner the the american uh WNBA player was was locked up in a russian prison being used as a diplomatic pawn that she's just got released the other day there's still another uh american like ex-marine that's uh locked up indefinitely in some fucking siberian gulag so uh yeah it, it's all very much of in the realms of possibility that you get detained and we end up uh you know having to cough up some fucking russian arms dealer to get you guys released
1: yeah yeah there was we were getting messages from like the australian government towards the end of the trip and they were saying that like um there was like american journalists that had been you know taken hostage in a way and put in prison so there was all that fear surrounding that for sure and we were just yeah, we were tripping, just like praying that nothing would happen. And I think once we got home, we kind of realized the severity of all, like, like something could have gone wrong pretty pretty quickly. And like, fuck, thankfully it didn't. And once we got home, it was just like, fuck, we all had the biggest come down. It felt like we were running on adrenaline for like two months. And then coming back to Ab, like the safest place on the planet, just like tripping out on what the past two months had had for us, you know? So yeah, it was sweet nectar when we made it home and we touched touched our feet on the ground. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm interested to know what the uh, reintegration process was like. And and in terms of, um, you know, the film being released, were you guys trying to keep the project under wraps or, uh, yeah, what was the protocol there?
2: Yeah, so while we were over there, we just did not have any sort of social media presence or basically like our family and friends knew that we were there, but no one else did, and we kind of just, kept that way for we just didn't want to make a scene one and um obviously the situation was very serious and we would go just kind of navigate we're still trying to navigate everything but we didn't want to be the guys over there like yeah i don't know taking the piss basically when there's a very serious situation going on so yeah we kept a low profile no social media we just kept kept updating our family and friends and um yeah we just kind of waited until we were home to kind of let everyone know. This is what we've been working on. This is what we were doing. Um, but yeah, what the, the reintegration side, I, I haven't really felt anything like that. I kind of felt something similar when we got back from Iceland, but it felt like this trip was another level. I, yeah, it was a very strange, strange, like weird come down feeling. With like, I, I went down to Palm Beach, which is a local beach, and saw my girlfriend, and I just like kind of had a bit of like a meltdown. That was just like it was like a summer day kids playing in the shore and people surfing. And I've just been in like the craziest, remote, dark, grim, adrenaline field two months of my life. And, oh, but also like incredible experience and everything else. But I feel like when you just get back and you can sit down and everything's safe and everything's happy, I, I yeah, just basically, all I wanted to do is go and curl up into a ball and sit in the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the boys, the boys will probably say the similar thing, it was, yeah, it was. Was strange.
4: It, it was similar to when you leave Civic Underground Jet. <laughs> ah,
0: yes, I know the feeling. I know the feeling of uh f- wanting to curl up in a ball and, and cry after a big night <laughs> in a uh, technicolored basement. But uh, I mean, this is the this is the the danger, I guess, of chasing peak experiences. Um, I mean, uh, I read recently some Buddhist monks saying, you know, peak experiences—they're fun. But ultimately, life is uh, all about embracing the ordinary and, and the, the kind of the more time you, you spend hunting peak experiences, the more time you spend within those peak experiences with adrenaline and cortisol levels spiking. Uh, that there is inevitably a come down because uh, life is just not peak experiences. Life is uh, learning to make the most out of the ordinary and the banal and see the beauty within those moments. That said. Fuck, man. So grateful you guys went on that adventure and, and documented it all and, and, and brought it back to us. I mean, it's in a lot of ways, it's kind of revolutionized the surfing landscape. Fuck, there's, we now know that there is a world-class waves, world-class waves of mortal uh in Russia. It's fucking <laughs> skits. It's, it, what, a, what a sick thing to know that the surfing world is so much bigger than we thought. You, you've added... Uh, space to the map like some ancient, weird spice trading explorer. Well played. <laughs> oh,
3: thanks, <Jenny>. Thanks, mate.
0: <laughs> Boys, I'll let you go. Uh, thanks so much for giving us your time. Oh, can't forget, before I do though, what is the plan for in terms of uh, where people can see the film at cinemas, the release date, all that kind of stuff?
2: Yeah, so... We're kind of, what are we, three weeks out or less than a month out of um, releasing the film. We've got uh, a whole bunch of cinemas locked in and after parties all over the place to show it. Uh, Sydney, Central Coast of Oka, Newcastle, Byron Bay, Gold Coast, Noosa, West Oz, Tassie, Kalong, Victoria. That's what we got booked in. I think there's 12 booked in so far and. Uh, go to the website corners of the earth.com.au. Um or the Instagrams, the Corners of the Earth. And yeah, check it out if you want to come watch it. We'd love to see you there. And it's gonna be a gonna be a good party. And yeah, psych to share it with the world. And the book, uh, guys, book, how do we
1: get our hands on that? That's saying you can just jump on the website, um, corners of the earth.com.au and order it there and we'll, we'll ship it out express. So you'll have it in a few days and just shout out to everyone that's supported us so far it's been pretty overwhelming um the response we've had on the trailer and the book and and the ticket sales so just yeah thank you everyone for all the support It means a lot to us
0: amazing boys mission accomplished well played fucking all time
2: <laughs> thanks, 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 Daddy.
1: Daddy. thanks for having us on